0: Let's take our Bibles. Let's open up, open them up to the book of the Ephesians. We're in chapter six, and we're focusing on verses 10 through 20. Um, we're talking about spiritual warfare. We're talking about the strategies of warfare, the, the enemy in the warfare, the realm of the warfare, if you will. But also we're going to talk about the armor of our warfare um, before we complete it. But all of it comes together to help us help us to understand. That at this moment in time, that 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us that Satan is roaming around like a roaring, roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. And you need to say this with me. It's me. It's you that he wants to devour. It's you that he wants to destroy. It's you that he wants to distract. It's you that he wants to calls to take your eyes off of Jesus and place them on Him so that He can deceive you, destroy you and misdirect you into something that does not in any shape, form or fashion bring honor to God. So let's open our Bibles, look at Ephesians chapter 6 and I'm going to read 10 to 20 again this week and we'll read it every week until we complete. But I want you to know this passage of scripture. So how does it begin? Finally. Now, again, if you've got a finally, you know he's making a point, right? He said, everything I told you back here about what to believe and how to live out what you believe, all of those things back there, he says, I'm going to bring it to a point right here, right now in this conversation. So he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Everybody go with me. Be strong. Be strong. I'm talking about show the guns. Be strong and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And this is a side note here. It doesn't say that it's already on you, does it? it? says it's available to you. says it's accessible to you. But you must make the effort to put it on. How often should you put it on? I'm going to tell you you should put it on daily. And if something's going on in your life, you may have to remind yourself multiple times throughout this day, I'm going to put on the armor of God. Just because God makes it available, He is the perfect gentleman. He does not force you uh, Himself on you, nor all of His benefits on you. But He says, put it on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood look at your neighbor and say you're not my enemy i know we did that last week but we need to say it again this week because right now no matter what i read where i turn what i look at everything is telling me that my enemy is flesh and blood would you agree with me but my bible tells me that that's not the truth my bible tells me that that is a symptom of a greater problem That is spiritual in nature. And so therefore, if I'm going to stand on truth, I must learn how to state the truth. So he says that um, we wrestle against flesh and we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Now listen to me. God is omnipresent. Do you agree with that? That means God can be anywhere, every God is anywhere, everywhere, all the time. Satan is not omnipresent, so he can only be in one place at one time. So therefore, to do his work in the spiritual realm, he has enlisted a host of followers that we're going to now read and know that they are principalities, powers of darkness, and this kind of thing. So listen to me. I believe that Satan does not approach most of us at any time in our life. I think he has greater things to do. Now, do I think his principalities, powers, and armies of darkness do approach us? Yes, I do. Um, all the time. But because he cannot be in, everywhere all the time, he has people that do his work for him. So we want to be not people, but armies, spiritual beings that do his work for him. So it says that that's who's at work. Darkness against spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore... Finally, we need to know this, but therefore, because now we know it, there's an action we need to take. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Two times in one paragraph or one section of Scripture, God is trying to tell you something this morning. you got to get up, get dressed, and get ready for a spiritual battle. Stand therefore. praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So do you see that, that you are to persevere and to pray, and that your perseverance and your prayer are an encouragement to the person next to you? You see, it's not if we go into a spiritual battle. It's when do we go into the spiritual battle, and every one of us are commanded to stand up with a testimony of perseverance. We're commanded to stand up with the, with the, with, through perseverance with supplication. That means I am going to God on your behalf because we're at war with the powers of darkness. Satan is trying to destroy, to use himself and his minions to destroy anything good that God might want to accomplish on earth with us and through us. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth with boldness to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. How many of you think that with all that's going on in the world right now, that Christians are afraid to speak as boldly as the Scripture commands us to? I believe we are. I believe that we're afraid what? We might offend somebody. I'm afraid we'll be we're afraid we'll be ridiculed or made fun of or even attacked, or in some countries put into jail for what we say we believe. And that is a trick that Satan has sold to us, and because God says speak boldly, no matter what's going on. Now, two times since we've read this, he told us to put on the whole armor of God. Now I want you to know something about all of this armor. All of this armor is defensive, except for the sword. It is the offensive weapon in the armor of God. But also what we see about all of this armor, it is all front, frontal armor. There's none of it that is back armor. In other words, if I'm retreating, I'm exposed. But if I'm coming forward, I have a belt of truth, I have a shield of faith, I have a sword of spirit, I have a helmet of salvation. And so. As a child of God that is going to be in warfare, I need to remember that God wants me marching onward, not retreating backward. Therefore, we must be equipped. Now, last week, in our talk and study of the armor or the spiritual warfare, the armor of God and all of that, we said that there is one enemy that is common to all of us. In fact, really, it's the only enemy. It's Satan. Because if we go back to the passage, it says, Be strong in the Lord, put on the whole armor, that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. It says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against Satan and his armies. And we must drill this into our head. We must always drill it because when I look at the news, I get angry at people. I don't get angry at the devil oftentimes and I know I should because the scripture tells me that they are not my enemy they're a symptom. We want to be people of God and if we're going to be people of God we got to believe truth and own truth and then ultimately live out truth. So today last week we said that our adversary in spiritual warfare is Satan and his armies. Today I want to talk to you about the arena of our warfare. Now, most, most battles are fought on a, in an arena. It may be a hemisphere arena. It may be a stadium arena. Or it may be whatever. But there is a defined place where we have warfare. And so, where does our warfare take place? First of all, I'll tell you, it's anywhere you are. I'll tell you, it's not against each other. It's against Satan and his armies. But I believe that Satan has some very predictable tactics that he's going to use against every one of us in our lives i'm going to call those tactics the arena if you will or we could call those tactics the plays that satan calls to run against us so that we would lose ground for example coach o from lsu called plays yesterday that caused the university of georgia to lose ground multiple times it was not pretty in fact it was awful well i want to tell you as effective as lsu was against georgia satan will always be effective if we do not keep our eyes on jesus so this morning what do we want to talk about let's talk about seven tactics that Satan and his army will use against you in your life. Again, let's go back to this 1 Peter 5, 8 first. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking at you, and his tactics to devour you are ultimately um, very identifiable, because they're all through Scripture. So the first strategy that I want to talk about this morning is discouragement. Now the word discouragement literally means this, to remove courage from you. That's all discouragement is. It is the removal of courage. So when you are discouraged, you do not have the courage to fight the day. When you are discouraged, you don't have the courage to fight the moment. When you are discouraged, oftentimes you don't have the energy to look out in front of you and to see how to navigate the course of life. Satan wants to discourage you. He wants to remove your courage. He wants. How does he do that? He reminds you of your past. He reminds you that you're inadequate. He reminds you that you're too big of a sinner. He causes you to operate in fear. Now, is that truth? No, because the Scripture says that for those who are in Christ, there is therefore no condemnation. So it does not matter what you've been before Christ. It matters who you are in Christ. So when Satan brings up your past, you just simply remind him, my past has been covered by the blood of Christ. Hebrews says, through the shedding of blood, there is forgiveness of sin. In fact, what God tells you He would like to do with your past is that He would like to restore the years the locusts have eaten and He would like to use your past in your present to help somebody else's future. Do you hear me? What Satan wants to do is to remind you of your past, discourage you, remove your courage from you and cause you to sit down in depression or despair and not be onward Christian soldiers marching off to war. All right, Because the second he can get you to turn around, those fiery darts that the shield of faith will block are now all landing in the target zone. So think about it this way. I want everybody to do this with me this morning. How big is the rear view mirror in your car? Let's use our hands. Maybe about like this. How big is your windshield? Do the best you can. It's this big. So the windshield is for moving forward, and that's where we need to be looking the most. And our rearview mirror is for glancing backwards in moments of time. If you tried to drive your car backwards, looking in your rearview mirror, if you can, by the way, come see me afterwards. It'd make a great illustration. But most likely, you would not do very well at that, at least at the speed that life goes. All right, But when I put my, turn myself around and I look out of my windshield, I can see and move at the pace of life. Satan wants you to focus on the rear view of your life instead of the windshield of your future. He wants to discourage you. So that's his, one of his top strategies, to remove courage from you. The next thing that Satan wants to do is he wants to cause division. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Now, that is a literal thing that we can look at. I can picture... Raul falling on the ground and him saying, I've fallen and I can't get up. And I would say, hold on, Raul, I'm coming to help you. In fact, this week, I was in Cracker Barrel and I was walking behind this gentleman that had his walker with him and all of a sudden he turned around and looked at me and his eyes were big and he hit the floor. He woke up from passing out and he said, I fainted. I replied with a common sense answer, yes you did. He said, I'm going to get up now and he tried to get up and he fell back over. It wasn't until I got behind him, reached my arms under him and helped him sit down that he was able to get up. Now. In normal, everyday, physical life, we look at that and say, of course you would. What kind of human being wouldn't help this gentleman up? And you'd be right. But here's the truth. Spiritually, it's the same thing. When I fall, I don't need you to become an expert in martial arts and kick me back down. The scripture says to lift me up. The scripture says I am to lift you up. That is why when Satan divides us, that he can cause the fallen to stay fallen and the church to be arrogant. You know what we do, right? Girl, did you hear what she did? You know if she hadn't have gone there and been with those people and done that thing, then she wouldn't have fallen. And instead of running to her rescue or his rescue, we sit over here and we get a little puffed up. Oh, I'm in church today. My life's good today. Satan wants to divide. He's looking for whom he may devour. And he knows that it's hard for him to devour two people because they can lift one another up. Now, go on down to 4.12. We use it all the time. A quarter of three strands is not easily broken. That, Bobby, is how we get there, buddy that's how we don't get cut out of the crowd that's how we stand tall in life because satan is there he wants to divide satan knows where there is unity there is community he knows there are better ideas he knows there's greater cooperation he knows there's greater strength he knows there's greater accountability he knows there is encouragement now what was discouragement the removal of courage what is encouragement? It is the infusion of courage. I will take on things that I am afraid of if I know you have my back. Yeah. Satan wants to discourage. Satan wants you alone. Satan wants you isolated. Because once he gets you isolated, then... Um, There's isolation, obviously, there's loneliness, there's greater temptation, and there's ultimately division. I use marriage as an example, because what Satan wants me to do is look at Gail and say, well, 30 years ago she was this, or 30 years ago she was that, or 5 years ago she'd be this, and he wants me to take my eyes off of what is good and right and godly. Because then I can justify rudeness, or I can justify lack of conversation or lack of cooperation i can do that in church i can do that in a job i can do that with friends because listen to me satan wants you to be lonely what do you think most people do today in the middle of their loneliness where do they turn any thoughts drugs okay that's one a substance all right what is, but what is more churchified than that? Social media? Would I turn to social media and I'll go, man, when I grow up, I'm going to be Russell and Heather. Because they got it going on. Because they got pictures where they went to Disney World. I don't think there are any, but there would be, there would be something. They did something cool yesterday, I know. And, and we begin to look and we begin to envy. I'm isolated. I'm lonely. And then I start looking and everybody's got it better. Now I'm dissatisfied with my life, so I want to emulate your life. The problem is your life's not my life. And I begin to chase something that God doesn't have for me at this moment. Now, it could be substance. Or it could be relationship. It could be the satisfaction of a moment that says, because this, this isn't working, I'm going to run over here. Regret is what follows. Satan wants to discourage. Satan wants to divide. Satan wants to cause doubt in your life. He wants you to doubt God's presence. Because you see, the moment you doubt God's presence, you believe God has forgotten you. God doesn't know how bad this hurts. God doesn't know how people are talking about me. God doesn't care that my life is here in this moment right now. And that's a lie because God said as a child of God, and that's the only people really that can get into spiritual warfare, by the way, is the redeemed. Um, The child of God, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In fact, he wrote, had David write the whole book, Psalm 139, where he says, I knew you before. I know where you're going. I know when you stand up. I know when you sit down. I actually know the days of your life that are numbered. God has never forgotten you. But Satan will put you in a situation, when he gets you isolated, when he gets you lonely, that you begin to question God's presence in your life. He gets you to question God's promises. God's truth does not reach all the way to me. And we may not say it that way. We may be too churched, if you will, to say, oh, God is good all the time. God is good. But in reality, we're sitting here going. God's promises work for Miss Cherie. God's promises work for Mr. Tom. God's promises work for Kefas." But look at my car. Look at my clothes, look at my bank account. Look at my inability to, to keep a job or to get promoted in a job. and He will begin to cause us to think all of these things about God and they're negative things. God's plan, my sin and my failures have caused me, has caused me to miss out on God's best. God's power, I'm too far gone. God cannot help me. And what is the outcome of that? If I believe that I'm too far for God, I start relying on myself. I start relying on my own knowledge, my own understanding, my own ability. And the moment that I do that, I have become my God. And let me tell you, if my God is any other God than Yahweh, then actually Satan is my master. Yeah. God's power, I'm too far gone. God's provision, this will cause you to get out God's character and ultimately God's love for you. Discontentment. This strategy causes you to compare your life to the lives of everyone else. You begin to compare your marriage, your family, your finances, your career, your possessions, your education. And you go on and make your list of everything in your mind. Because discontentment with where I am and who I am with causes me to want something other than what God has provided. There's a man in this church that tells me often, You may not ever win another race, but you're my horse. Listen to me. I love that. Because what he said is, come hell or high water, you're mine. And I can tell you for 20 years he's lived true to that. Man, when you know you've got somebody in your corner that is in your life to encourage and not to discourage, their goal is not to remove courage, but to infuse courage, man, you're going to get after it. I have this thing I keep on my phone. Just to remind me somebody somewhere is depending on you to do what God has called you to do. Today, right now, somebody somewhere is depending on you to do what God has called you to do. And if you don't do what God's called you to do, then there is a chink, is that a good word, in the armor, there's a weakness in the armor. Hey guys, we know That the scripture has said, we need to be braided together. We need to be the cord of three strands. We know that he's told us that two are greater than one. But you see, he doesn't just hit us with the the discouragement and the division and the doubt and the discontentment. But he hits us with distractions. And I'm going to tell you that distractions are not always hideous. In fact, I think he loves to hit us with distractions that are just maybe a degree off of best. He will get us so focused on the good that God wants for us, we forget and take our eyes off the very best that God wants for us. Those are short-term distractions. Satan wants you so busy doing good things that you never get to the God things in your life. And then there are days that I lay down at night and I think, man, look at this, 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 and this. And then I look at it and I realize, wait a minute, I missed God's best thing today. What is the distraction that usually pops up in your life? That's good. I will tell you one of mine. I am social, S-O-C-I-A-L, social. Um, and so one of the first things I do when I wake up in the morning is I want to connect with people. I want to know what people have done, what people are going to do, what they're thinking about doing, and anything in the world that can happen. So the first thing I do often is when I pick up my phone and I go look at social media. And I'll be like, "Whoa, y'all did all that last night, and I was asleep. Y'all should have called me. I was just looking for something to do. Um, But here's the truth. I really believe what what Scripture would want me to do, and I am honestly trying to break this habit. Y'all pray for me, because it is a habit. You know, since um, iPhone put that number, amount of time you spend on social, I don't even look at that. It lies. There's no way I spent 19 hours on my social media yesterday. (laughs) It wasn't that long, I promise. It was 18 hours and 57 minutes. (laughs) But, But I really am trying to break that habit that Matthew 6.33 would be the object of the beginning of my day. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not seek first, being nosy at what happened in the lives of the people of Mount Zion. Because that really is the opposite of seeking first the kingdom of God. But learning how to do that. He wants me to be distracted. That's a short-term distraction. But I will tell you this, I think his greater goal is a long-term distraction. You see, when I get to discontent, then I begin to look to, for things that will fill me with contentment. I'm like, God, what you have placed into my life right now is not good enough. So I want to go find something else. And see, what Satan wants there is he wants me to believe the lie. He wants me to buy into something that will not just distract me for the moment, but will create chaos or credibility in the rest of my life. It's long term. It's not just an oops I spent too much time on Facebook this morning or Instagram or Twitter, whatever it is. It's not just I spent an hour there. No, I made a decision and stepped into a choice that now has hurt people, hurt God, hurt my witness to people, hurt my effectiveness in the kingdom, and takes not just moments to correct, but it takes days and weeks and months and years and in many cases i carry it with me forever now that's when we get back to discouragement because when i realize my choice is going to be something that's not over in just a moment then i throw up my hands and say well i might as well whatever that is and that's a lie of the devil The Scripture says that if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You need to hear me, though. You can, If you hear this and say, oh, that sounds reasonable, I want to tell you it is a concerted effort to devour you. It's not God just being overdramatic. It is God telling you what Satan wants to do. Um, He wants to deceive you. He wants to attack your mind. He wants you to question everything God says. He wants you to say, that what God says is wrong, He wants you to say it's right. And what God says is right, He wants you to say it's wrong. As much as three out of four people now are, are leaning and shifting towards, especially under the age of 30, but even more so, are leaning towards the, the belief of accepting that same-sex marriage is not contrary to God's Word. Seventy-five percent of people. And that is a significant shift in anybody in this room's lifetime. Because Satan wants us to think that what God says is right is wrong. And what God says is wrong is okay. Because again, once he gets you to question the credibility of God, he causes you to question the character of God. And the moment you throw out the character of God, you have thrown out the omnipotence of God, the all-power of God. And now you've got to choose who you're going to serve. You see, because you're made to worship. We Everyone are made to worship something, and we do worship something every single day that we breathe. It's not a question, do I worship? It's a question of who I worship. And Satan's goal is for you to worship him. So he'll deceive you. He will cause you to question God and then ultimately destroy. He knows he cannot steal your salvation, but he can derail, distract, and defeat us. And he knows that if He can get into our mind, He knows that He can render us ineffective for the kingdom of God. He knows that He can get us to the sideline where we're afraid to get in the game because if I get in the game, I might be exposed. Or if I get in the game, it feels convicting, so I don't want to get there. So He will cause you to be on the sideline And not involved we have an adversary his name is satan we have an arena in which he plays in it is not greater than the power of god but it is greater than the power of your willpower (laughs) and it's greater than your perseverance and you are not smarter than satan He has tripped up the greatest to believe that He is the one that we should follow. Now again, you say, Oh, Pastor, I would never worship Satan. I believe that. I believe there's not one person in this room that would would go to bed and say, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray for Satan my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, Send me to hell really quickly. I don't think anybody in this room would say that. And if you would, do not sit next to me. I'm afraid you're going to get struck. But I really don't. And Satan knows that. That's why he's not going to come at you in who he really is. the scripture says that he will disguise himself as an angel of light or something that is good or something that is decent or something that's not horrid. He'll disguise himself as something that looks good, feels good, tastes good. And he will subtly cause you to follow him. So the choice today is what the scripture says. Choose today whom you will serve. No one can serve two masters. For some it's the choice of salvation for most of us it is the choice of not being deceived it's the choice of being diligent it's the choice of persevering it's the choice of accepting god's way as the best way and bowing our heart to him through his word and bowing our heart to him through prayer and bowing our heart to walk in life with other believers because i'm just going to tell you just from an observation that some of us feel isolated. You say, how do you know that? All right, reach out, and can you touch the person next to you? (laughs) So we sat there because we weren't necessarily comfortable getting all snugged up. You know what I'm saying? So we need to get snugged up. We need to be like, you're my family. You're my friend. I'm going to walk in life with you. Because we're going to say it one more time. You're not my enemy. Okay? Satan is. So for some, it's the choice of salvation. For some, it's the choice of surrender. It's the choice of choosing and intentionally saying, I will follow God. I will trust that His ways are the best ways. For some, it's just connecting. It's coming off the sidelines and stepping into the game. Emotionally, physically, financially, relationally, with knowledge. God wants you we want you we want to do life with you so fathers we have this moment if we have this opportunity to respond i pray that our response would be pleasing to you i pray that our response would honor you god i pray that we would not be discouraged with the absent and have the absence of courage but we would be encouraged and have the infusion of courage and god if if one here today does not know you as savior Lord, would you cause in this moment just the connection of of your word with their mind, and God, would you draw them to yourself? Even if the questions are not formed yet, God, would you allow that to happen? Lord, for the one that's here today that's discouraged, Lord, we pray for us. We pray for them. We pray for that there would be a return of courage, that there would not be a looking in the rearview mirror and say, I can't, but they would be looking into the windshield and say, I'm on my way. break the chains that bind us release us to be a people of power a people of purpose a people of, of of with a plan that says we want to reach this community with the gospel we want to walk side by side with each other until jesus comes back lord i do pray for those that are looking for the church home for the place to belong the place to connect God, I ask you to guide them to that spot where they can become all that you have called them to be. Lord, I pray that it's here. But Lord, would you unite your people in this community? And God, help us to see that our our battle is not each other, but we have a common enemy that we can unite against all for the purpose of seeing young men and women and boys and girls and men and women in this community become followers of Christ. Lord, we pray for the restoration of lives. Lord, we pray for lives that are destroyed by addiction. God, that you would set them free. We pray for relationships that are broken, that God, you would mend us together. Lord, we pray for the lies that have we have believed and now are permeating our mind and our society god that we would turn us that we would turn our eyes to the truth god we know satan is a liar we acknowledge it we know that you are greater than he is we know that Jeremiah 29 11 says that the plans that you have for us are to prosper us and to give us a future and a hope. God, we know that you have called us to be your ambassadors, to step outside of these walls and into the lives of people and bring them into the house of God so they can see how great you are. Lord, we are praying for courage today and we ask for it in Jesus name in just a moment we will stand we will begin to sing as we sing it's an opportunity for you to respond to salvation or surrender church membership it's an opportunity for you to come here to the front and pray for yourself or pray for someone in your life or to pray for our nation as we're approaching a season of voting that that god would be honored and that his name could and would be glorified it's an opportunity to come to the front and pray for our church as we are marching into november and we're needing again the provision and the direction of god so father as we begin to sing We also make ourselves available to you as you speak to us. God, give us the courage to respond. In Christ's name, amen.